Hi, this is Ronnie Platt from the band Kansas, and you are about to blast off to the music universe. Rock on. Hey, how are you, buddy? I'm well. How about you, Matt? I'm really cool. We just hung up with Ronnie Platt, lead singer of the band Kansas. And I didn't know when I reached out, because I just, I love Kansas's music. I had no clue when I reached out how inspirational this interview was going to be. This man went from working a day job to the lead singer of one of the most important and influential progressive rock bands of our era. Really, really cool story. Yeah, it's a lot like, I don't know if you've seen that uh, Mark Wahlberg movie, Rockstar, but it's a lot like that. You know, he, he was seen playing in a cover band and, well, well uh, then, don't don't we don't want to give it away because Ronnie tells it so perfectly. But well, yes, I'm not going to give it away. But it's sort of the storyline. If you've seen the movie, it's a great movie, and his story is really, like you said, inspirational. It's great, and it really just warms your heart knowing mm -hmm. that you know you can do this yourself in America, and you can and you can have whatever success means to you if you feel you haven't reached it yet, and whatever you're doing. Gosh, I feel like Tony Robbins now, but <laughs> I'm even wearing the black like fitted. <laughs> but it really goes to show that you can have success if you feel you haven't achieved success. You can achieve it at any age. He is, I hope you won't mind me saying because, because it's on Wikipedia, but he is 62 now. Doesn't look it. Doesn't mm -hmm. act it. He is 62. So that means eight years ago, he joined Kansas when he was about... 54, 55, between 53 and 55, depending on the dates. 50 some years old, quits a day job, finishes up, wraps up with a cover band, and here he is. And it's a really cool story for how it happened. And we plop you in in the middle of a conversation that we are having about in ears, playing live, and uh, drumming, because drumming always comes up with someone. Can't help it. <laughs> it. It was just a fun conversation. So here's here's Ronnie. Back in the day when, you know, there was just floor monitors. Yeah. You know, you didn't, uh, I don't think the the people that use in-ears today and have always used in-ears don't realize that, boy, if you were even 10 degrees off the line of throw of that floor monitor, you lost 50% of your gain. You know, mm -hmm. so you've had the drummer and the guitar player just, you know, bleeding your eardrums to death. And mm -hmm. with in-ears, it's so great because no matter where you go on stage, it doesn't change. And I'm always shocked at the end of the night. Uh, I mean, the, the last note of Wayward Son, I always mm -hmm. pull my ears out and I'm always shocked at how loud the audience is. Yeah. And we have a couple of ambient mics, uh, but I like to hear the band exclusively. And, you know, our vocal mics are picking up a little, little bit of the audience anyway, but I like, you know, no ambient mic in my ears whatsoever. So it's always a shock to me at the end of the show to, to take out my in-ears and just hear how loud the audience is. And it's probably saved my, a good percentage of my hearing over the past 20 years yeah i was gonna say are you one of those guys who 
one ear in, one ear out, so you can hear the crowd. I know I've seen no, so many shows. I, it, that throws me. I don't know how people do that with one ear. And, you know, I guess it's all a matter of what you're acclimated to. But, man, I, I love that isolation. I love mm -hmm. to, you know, hear the band as clearly as possible, you know, and it, it's it's so nice. You know, every theoretically using uh, in-ears, it's supposed to not change depending on the venue, you know, you, no right. matter what venue your in-ears are set up, but it doesn't work that way because sometimes you're on a wood floor and that resonance is coming through, you know, mics on stage and, you know, the times when uh, they're setting the PA down on a wood stage on each mm. side of the stage, you know, you've got all that vibration that low frequency coming back into everything that's live on stage yeah. so it's you know you have to tweak everything depending on the venue uh so but uh, they're they're a godsend to me yeah. i always tell people i have drummers ear because i hear better out of one <laughs> ear than the other because when i would just blast so loud growing tr up playing tr try standing next to phil lehart for a few years <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, what are you saying, Shani? <laughs> well, I'll I'll take your word on it. Yeah, right. You know, for Pete's sake, the guy's seventy-two years old. He's beating the drums like he's eighteen. For Christ's sake, I oh I just uh, I I have a set of uh, Roland before we get started. Uh, the new V drums, and I was playing last oh, night. Oh, nice! And I'm jealous. It's the new 706 uh, series, and um, I was playing them last night, and I, I always use, uh, for those, I use the grip sticks, the Zildjian grip sticks, or whatever, and then the tips, plastic tips, so they don't leave marks on the cymbals. Well, I, I guess I was doing something right, because the tip broke off, so I flip it over and finish the song. Well, then the snare stops working. And it came unplugged. But before I realized it was unplugged, I'm freaking out. I'm like, this kit's too expensive for this to happen. Live by the sword, die by the sword, right? <laughs> yeah. So, And since we've just dropped everybody into the middle of our in-ear conversation, I will, <laughs> I will say welcome, 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 Ronnie, to the Music Universe podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you. I'm such a fan of Kansas. Um, yeah, I know... You. You are about to go into your about eighth or ninth year. I know you joined in 2014 and you were a fan of uh, Kansas beforehand. Talk about how, I mean, that's the dream come true for people, I, I think, to join a band they've loved. Uh, talk about that before we get going on it, what you've been doing recently. It, you know, it's, uh, it, it is really something. And I know I belong to a very exclusive club and I've said this many times, you know, you, you've got Arnell and journey and you've got Kelly Hansen and foreigner and Tommy DiCarlo fronting Boston and pr probably a half dozen other guys I can mention. Uh, but I, I wonder if they were really as big a fan of their uh, particular band that I was of Kansas. I mean, I knew Kansas material long before I was in the band. And, and as YouTube will attest, and it's, it's, it's amazing uh, things that come out of the woodwork when you become the lead singer of Kansas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just 
uh, I mean, my cover bands back in the eighties were doing Kansas songs because man, I insisted on it, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I happened to be uh, lucky enough to uh, have a lot of bandmates that were progressive music lovers. And, you know, uh, my, my early bands always did a lot of yes, a lot of Kansas, a lot of rush, you know, and, and not just uh, wayward son and point, you know, we, uh, God, uh, I was talking to my guitar player uh, from a cover band I was in in the 80s, from 82 to 87, and we were doing uh, Right Away. You know, how many people know Right Away? Uh, right. A, that's a Kansas song, believe, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Uh, re- really some deep cut stuff from, from Kansas. And that's just, it's been my lifelong love of the band. I remember getting left overture when it came out and, you know, falling in love with the band and I've always been a prog rocker and Kansas has been a big part of that. How did you discover Kansas? I mean, were you really young and just heard them on the radio? Like what drew you to them? Uh well, you know, when I was a kid and Wayward Son came out, it, you just couldn't get away from it on the radio. And the same thing with, with Dust in the Wind, but uh, Wayward Son, you know, from Left Overture the year before, was such a, a, a powerful tune. And I was always uh, drawn to singing in the acapella opening of that song is just so big. It's so huge. It just it grabbed my attention and... Uh, went out and got the album and and back in in my day when i was a teenager you went to the record store and you 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 know you bought the album and of course uh the artwork on the albums back then were also a big part of it and kansas always had like really beautiful cool stuff. artwork yeah cool artwork so it was i mean it was mesmerizing to bring home a kansas album and you know put it on the turntable and just be staring at the, the the album cover for hours while you're listening to this music it really gave you the a, a, a sense of you know what the band was like the whole story type uh of I don't, i'm i'm at a loss for words here uh just just yeah. how just the whole persona of the band and I, I just remember getting left overture and, and playing it to death. Mm-hmm. And it, it really was, uh, it, it really was the beginning of my love of progressive, progressive music. That's you know, awesome. then of course, you know, then of course, you know, the, the musicianship and uh, once you start digging into the music and you, 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 you know, you start to discover uh, things like music theory and, just how much Kansas uh, interjected that into the writing, uh, the you know the amazing talent of Carrie Livgren, and and Steve Steve Walsh of course writing the the motherload of the songs just it was very uh, inspiring. That's amazing. You know you you're living a lot of people's dreams. Like like I said, it's that's just so cool. So when you were auditioning for Kansas, and I really, we really are interested in your story because it's we, it's not often we get to talk to somebody who's come in and come in so recently. Uh, when you were auditioning 
to to a band like Kansas. I mean, when you were auditioning for Kansas, what or the process, I should say, what were they looking for, and and how did that come to be? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, uh, technically, I never really auditioned. Really? Wow. Mm. Uh, but uh, from 2007 to 2011, uh, I was in a band called Shooting Star. Mm. I- ironically, also from Kansas, the okay. state of Kansas. Ironic- right. Ironically, yeah. also started as kind of a prog rock band. Ironically, also with a violin player. Uh, if you're familiar with shooting star what whatsoever i mean yeah. uh great band they should have been a lot bigger than they were but uh i was singing for them and we did a show up in walker minnesota called the moon dance festival mm-hmm. and guys this is the lineup that was on thursday i never get tired of saying this because it's so unbelievable the lineup was shooting star fog hat kansas <laughs> cheryl crow wow wow and then a little band called journey wow that was thursday's lineup is that just insane that's crazy a so monstrous what, lineup <laughs> right i mean that is like that is like an ultimate lineup there but uh it was so cool that you know here shooting stars up you know, we're doing our set and, you know, I look over and I see Rich Williams at our monitor board, you know, watching the band. And I'm like, gee, no pressure there. How cool is that? You know, <laughs> Rich Williams is watching our set, you know, real, really cool. And, and that, I think that was like 2009 or 2010, uh, long before, you know, Steve's, uh, announcement of retirement. But I think, I think Rich and Phil might have put me in their back pocket back then, uh, anticipating maybe Steve retiring back then. Who, who knows uh, the story there? But uh, it's it's really I think the time when they took notice, and of course, uh, through through the channels of just knowing the band, uh, Phil's drum tech, uh, Eric Holmquist. Uh, his father, I was in a band with back in the eighties. We did all yes, believe it or not. A uh, couple of Kansas tunes here and there. Uh, Eric's been Phil's drum tech for a long, long time. And so there was a connection there. And when uh, I got the text message from my friend, Dina, who happens to be Dennis DeYoung's niece, Dennis DeYoung, formerly of Sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she texted me this message and she said, did you see this? And it was the advertisement announcing Steve's retirement. And usually when you see that in print, you know, it, when they make that public, they were in the middle of a tour and I'm like, well, they got to have a new singer, you know, they're, they're touring. I'm, you know, are, are they, right. you know, going to announce a new singer soon and just uh, guys on a whim. I messaged Rich Williams on Facebook and said, Rich, it's, it's Ronnie Platt from Shooting Star. Give me some consideration. That was a Wednesday. And Thursday, I came home from work, was about to leave the house. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to check my messages. And I get a message from Rich. And it's like, 
Ronnie, if you get this message within the next hour and a half, we're about to go on stage in Houston, give me a buzz. So I called Rich, talked to Rich for a little bit on Thursday. He said, you know, Phil would give me a call on Friday, which he did. And uh, he asked me to come down to Atlanta. I'm in Chicago. And he asked me to fly down to Atlanta on Monday uh, to meet with him and Rich. And they were very explicit uh, saying, you know, we're not having you come to audition. You know, we, we've seen you with shooting star. We, you know, we've seen you on your YouTube stuff. We know you sing your ass off. We're, we just want you to come down and meet with us and, you know, see if you'll fit in with the band. If you're a good guy, blah, blah, blah. They want, I'm sure they were seeing if I had any LSD. <laughs> that, that's that's lead singer disease guys lead right. singer disease okay uh no drug reference there but uh <laughs> and it's it was so that funny might have earned your brownie points too right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you, you know what uh I, I always joke with uh with my friends that you know i'm the i'm the cleanest rock star they ever met in their life i've never done a drug i never drank and you know never had any bad habits other than than a buying guitar and bass guitar and keyboard and music gear addiction that's all great though (laughs) right but it was it was so some it was really something you know to to talk with phil and rich and and uh we probably talked for three hours and and i would say maybe maybe the first five minutes was business and the rest of the time was just telling stories and laughing and it was it was so neat when we're you know i'm immediately flying back to chicago i flew in you know three hour meeting and flying back to chicago and it was so funny walking out you know rich is probably talking uh, walking you know 15 20 feet in front of me and phil and you know and phil looks up at me and he goes well, that went well, you know, <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's kind of like, kind of like saying to me, you know, you got the job, but I got to talk to rich, you know? And right. but I, I mean, even, even at that point, you know, uh, n- nothing's done until it's done. Right. So right. I mean, even at that point, you know, uh, I was still skeptical of wondering if I got the job, but the very next day, I'm, uh, I'm back in my 18 wheeler in Chicago, uh, you know, driving around the beautiful streets of Chicago. And I went to one of my customers and checked my email and there got an email from Phil says, congrats. You got the job. The band is pumped. Let's get to work. And it, and it really was, uh, God, it, it was pressure time for me. You know, all of a sudden I'm the lead singer of Kansas. My, my local, cover band ara had a slammed summer schedule i mean just i mean there were probably weeks that we were doing five shows a week because all the summer festivals you know it's chicago there's a lot of people in chicago there's a lot of suburban areas that have you know week-long festivals and you know you you grab while the grabbing is good so you know we tried to work as much as possible and, you know, here I am, you know, with all this local work and working my day job and then, you know, getting the job in Kansas and really just had to 
make major adjustment. And, uh, and guys, that's, that was eight years ago. Wow. Do, do you, when you get that call, do you instantly just have to quit everything and go tend to Kansas or was it kind of a transition? Yeah. You know, that's funny because I remember when I got the job in shooting star, I, you know, uh, I met with the manager, uh, after the day after my very first gig with shooting star and I'm like, God, you know, am I finally going to be able to quit my day gig and do music 24 seven, you know, my mm -hmm. lifelong dream to do that, you know, but you know, that day gig allows you to, you know, do things like, you know, eat food, <laughs> you know, have a dwelling to live in, uh, <laughs> fly down to meet Kansas, <laughs> right. Fly down to meet Kansas, stuff like that, you know? So, uh, you, you know, I really wasn't, uh, ready to pull the trigger on everything. Cause, uh, when I was in shooting star, I was still able to keep my day gig because shooting star really didn't do a lot of gigs over the course of, uh, over the course of the year or years that I was in. So I was, and I, I will say this, the company that I worked for, uh, they were huge fans of mine. They always came to my gigs and they're just super nice people and su supported me in my music career, which was, which was really super nice of them. So I was able to like use vacation time. And what, what made it really convenient is, uh, uh, shooting star was based out of Lawrence, Kansas. So, you know, uh, a flight from Chicago to Kansas city on midway midway airlines at the time, you know, it was like an hour flight, you know, yeah. it was really super cheap, uh, of which I never paid for, uh, Vanoys just put that on, you know, used points for my flights and stuff. So it made commuting to Kansas really simple. Uh, and, and again, it wasn't like we were playing every weekend. So mm -hmm. I was able to get, the, get that day gig, but then going into Kansas, uh, and it was funny when I, when I met with, uh, Phil and Rich and our three hour meeting, they told me that, uh, they had plans on doing, you know, 45 to 60 gigs a year. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's, you know, was a lot more than what shooting star was doing. Uh, but you know, pretty good, pretty good workload when you add in all the traveling that's involved with that. So I, mm -hmm. I knew that having a day gig just wasn't possible. It was pretty much, you know, you pretty much turn off everything else in, in your life. But it's so funny to have them say, you know, we're, we'll do 45 to 60 gigs a year. And my first year, first full year, 2015, we did 98 gigs. Wow. <laughs> right. And then at the conclusion of that year in the, in January of 2016 and a couple of weeks into February, we recorded prelude implicit. Mm -hmm. So I, I lived in Atlanta with the exception of maybe four days. I was living in a hotel in Atlanta because we were recording that album and just working on that album every day. So that's six weeks that we took off to record that album went right back on the road in 2016 and did 99 shows. Wow. 
So it really was uh, uh, pr- pretty, pretty life changing. You know, it was, it was strange to uh, come, you know, come home on Monday, do laundry and go back to the airport. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty much the, the recipe for, uh, for the time. So, yeah. Yeah. How'd the voice hold up doing all the, doing that much that quick, all of a sudden, how did, how'd the voice hold up at first? Well, it, you know, it's something, uh, you know, I've always said, I, I know I'm not the greatest singer in the world, not even, not even close, but if it's one thing I've always put a lot of pride in is I've got, I've been blessed with endurance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just like, uh, you know, right before I joined Kansas, my local band, Ara, you know, when we do these summer festivals, the, you know, the festival committee, they wanted you to play three hours and not wow. take a break, oh, wow. you know, and, 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 you know, here we are doing four five, six gigs a week and I'm working a day gig, you know, that's, yeah. it was how the heck did I do that? <laughs> Jesus, good God. No wonder I feel 112, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it really, uh, you know what it's, it's, it's lifelong conditioning, I guess. Uh, so it's just something that I've unexpectedly prepared for my entire life. And it's, and, and it's something as I said too, is I, I've always lived a double life. I've lived a, from the age of 14, probably I've always been in at least one working band at least. Mm-hmm. And then working, you know, 45, 50, 55 hours a week in a day gig, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big, that's a grind. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it's a grind, but uh, you know, it's, it's funny when you get acclimated to something, when you're used to doing that and it it just, it just seems to be a, a normality. That's awesome. So let's talk about Kansas. You guys have a lot going on. Uh, Oh man. 2020 record, 2021 live record. Talk about the talk about the record you released in 2020. At first, I um, have the name on the tip of my tongue, but I know it's such a unique name. I'm I'm having trouble pulling it up, uh, getting the a- computer absence working. Of pre- absence of presence. I thought I had a an, an album. <laughs> See, I'm constantly moving stuff in here. Uh, absence <laughs> of presence. Uh, and it, it was, that is, that is not a reference to Billy Greer's Christmas day. Mm. Uh, it's, and it's funny that, uh, you know, we came up with that title or Phil actually came up with that title pre pandemic. And it was, it, it's actually kind of eerie, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, to have that title long before the pandemic. And then, you know, then the pandemic hits and it's like, there's an absence of presence everywhere. You know, there was that one point where everyone was just, you know, trying to stay at home and restaurants were closed and you go out even where I live, you know, just, you know, a suburb West of Chicago. It, it, it really was eerie how uh, there, there was no presence 
out on the street, you know, there was no traffic and just so many places were closed. It was really strange. So just a, a real, uh, really eerie, uh, a connection between the title of the album and what was going on at the time. And, uh, I know Phil told me that, um, uh, some of our, our, our musical, uh, counter counterpoints, uh, uh, our friends in the music business, you know, they, they were like, why are you releasing an album in the middle of the pandemic? You know, you can't go out and support it. You know, you, you know, it's, it seems to be kind of futile to do that. And, you know, we felt like, uh, you know, our Kansas fans are Kansas fans, regardless of the environment. And, right. uh, it was nice to give people something, uh, when everything was down, you know, it, it, it was nice to come out with, uh, something to give the people at that point. So mm-hmm. yeah, it actually and, worked out. Yeah. In 2020, that was when this show really started building up our, our bookings with our guests because we would sit down and we all of a sudden started getting so many pitches to have people, people we loved, people we knew we would reach out. A, because artists were bored sitting at home, but also right. B, they had decided to release what they had been working on just to give people a little bit of something to look forward yeah. to, give them a reprieve. And so I absolutely understand that mentality. Well, little reminder of, hey, we're still out here. You know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're still here. Mm-hmm. You know, and really a, a crazy time because uh, we didn't even see each other for 13 months. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to get together, you know, via Zoom to rehearse or work on music live just does, doesn't work, you know, as, yeah, as, it, it, especially with Kansas music. There's just there's too much information trying to, mm-hmm. you know, when you've got Tom in New Jersey, I'm in Chicago, Billy's in Savannah, Phil and Rags are in Atlanta, Rich is up in the mountains of Carolina somewhere, you know, it just... <laughs> Yeah. Something. Give me, give me my gun, honey. So, so then you don't have to answer this, but when you tour, this, this has been a topic of us watching the, the stadium tour and, and all the, the big bar, bus farm with Motley's buses and Leopard's buses and Poison's buses. So since you guys are all over the place, do you each pick up, pick up a bus in your respective state? Do you fly to the gigs? How, how does that, how does that work for you guys being all over the place? Well, well, let me tell you about my bus experience. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, it's, it was so funny, you know, joining shooting star and, you know, it's like being on that tour bus is kind of like that, that transition into rock and roll world. Right. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, it's so cool. The first time, you know, going out and doing, you know, a few shows and you're getting on the bus and it's like, so cool. Let me tell you that wears off really fast <laughs> when, when you're, when you're busing with not only your band, but also your crew and your driver and management is all in the same bus. Uh, you wait until the absolute last second <laughs> to get on that bus when it's, when it's time to leave. But uh, uh, it, it's, it's something that uh, I've never done in Kansas. What we do is, uh, we will fly to, uh, 
our destination the day before the gig, check into yeah. the hotel. You know, we will do that next night's gig, get up in the morning and drive. You know, we work the routing out where, you know, our next gig is always drivable mm -hmm. uh, and we'll do, you know, the series of gigs, whether it be two or three or four or out for a couple of weeks where we'll drive and, you know, just like if there's a considerable distance between two gigs and, you know, uh, we might play on a Thursday, but have a Friday off and that would be a travel day, which allows us time to, you know, put a few hundred miles in uh, before we do the next gig. And then when we're done with that series of gigs, fly home. Very cool. Very, very so cool. It's, it's, it's nice. It's nice because uh, uh, I've, I've heard some, some bus stories that I'm glad I wasn't a part of. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Go ahead, buddy. Well, I was just going to say, you know, when you get, as big as like motley and dysfunctional like that you kind of have to have your separate bus but when you <laughs> when you all love each right. other all around it's great you know to have that time but like you said too many people on there kind of makes you hey, i'm gonna you guys get on i'll i'll get on in five minutes Baby yeah. alone. <laughs> that's funny last night i was watching some stuff and uh the doobie brothers came on and we did a show with the doobies and it's like you know super nice guys but they all had their own bus mm -hmm. and, and that is a completely different world than having to share the bus with your bandmates and crew, sure. you know? Uh, so I could see that being, that, that being pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of the gigs point of no return live, uh, the new newly subtitled, is it all new recordings or is it a re-release of what came out in 2017? No, it's all new. Awesome. All new, uh, you know, uh, stuff that we, I forget how many shows, probably eight, 10, 12 different shows where uh, Chad Singer, our front of house, our, our master of ceremonies, the, the man behind the curtain, pay no attention <laughs> to Chad behind the curtain, uh, who does an absolutely phenomenal job uh he would just hit record at the beginning of our you know our shows and you know after we uh recorded a few shows and we would just you know pick the songs so you know from particular nights that we really like so everything is is new and you know of course we've got uh you know a few of the new songs on there too not only from uh absence but also from prelude Mm -hmm. awesome. when you said that he would hit record did you guys know in advance that he was going to be recording or do you guys like discuss that or is it suddenly or just you record everything so you kind of already anticipate uh yeah you know we we knew we were recording but mm -hmm. but it's you know it's not something that's uh you, when you're in front of an audience your your audience is your main objective so it was right. never like you know, thinking, oh, we're recording this. I got to play it safe or, you know, me, I'm shoot from the, the hip, you know, if yeah. I'm feeling good, I'm running with it, you know? Right. So, uh, did we know that we were recording? Uh, yes, but does it have, uh, much of a bearing on how we're performing? 
uh, no. Yeah, that's awesome. This is so cool. And uh, when you back, I wanted to check your another thing I wanted to do, buddy. You you sit there at the computer. Uh, you have, I assume, you're touring this summer or or this fall. Yeah, you know, we have yeah. been we have been on the road, and we're about to. Uh, gosh, it's coming Monday. We're about to hit the road and we're doing a whole full West coast run. We'll be gone for three weeks and oh, wow. hitting it hard. Wow. Wow. That's uh, awesome. And, uh, you guys have really expanded, uh, your fan base by, you know, in a recent episode of Walker, which is yeah. on the CW, a new documentary out. I mean, you guys are really getting out there and that's, that's fabulous because, Rock is not dead and rock needs like I I took my daughter a couple of the K-pop uh Korean pop concerts and K-pop uh, comes up in the Kansas interview. Well, I, I'm getting <laughs> somewhere with that. I'm getting somewhere. It's a lot of lip syncing. Right. And I I don't believe that should ever be done in a live show personally and I love that you guys keep it live and keep it real. You know, I I don't mind uh, when bands are using backing tracks to, uh, maybe embellish a little mm -hmm. bit, but mm -hmm. when it takes over the entire musical experience, when, you know, uh, dare I say, you know, Britney Spears, you know, doing, <laughs> you know, the entire show being, you know, pre-recorded and lip synced. And you're really just going to see the dancing live. Right. Uh, that that is not uh, any part of a Kansas show. You know what we're doing. Uh, the only thing that we use pre-recorded is uh, that very staticky. You know, albums. You know, 1960s. Drop the needle on the record. Beginning of throwing mountains. <laughs> you know, before it goes into full band, that's the only thing that's pre-recorded with us. <laughs> uh, that's just the, the, the intro, the short intro and every, everything we do is live. And, and you know, I remember uh, seeing an interview with Joe Walsh uh, of the Eagles and he's talking yeah. up, you know, he's talking about there's something about the live element, you know, and, uh, uh, of course there's, there's going to be good shows and you, you feel they're all good shows, but when you, when you are performing live and everybody's just hitting on all cylinders, it, it's really a magical thing that you're not going to get when you're playing along with pre-recorded music. It's, it's that live element and it's, you know, it's kind of a shame too. It's funny when I think about, you know, I went to so many concerts back in the early eighties uh, and even in the late seventies, my very first concert was electric light orchestra. Oh, wow. And there was no such thing as a cell phone back then. There was, you couldn't bring a video. Was there even a video camera uh, in 1978, if, if there was, it was the size of a suitcase, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it's so funny, you know, it, it made such an impression on me that it, it's forever burned into my memory. 
just how intense it was and just how exciting it was. And it's not that it bothers me, but I think guys, it's, it's really something. I mean, some of the, some of the venues, when we start dusting the wind, it's crazy to Mm -hmm. see 4,000 people hold up their phone, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm seeing the camera end of the phone and, and Chad, who's running our, our house and, and Scott Pearson, who is our, our LD, our lighting director, you know, they say, Ronnie, you got to see it from our perspective because where they're sitting in back of the crowd, they see all these lighted screens and it's just a, a sea of lighted screens. And, you know, I understand you want to capture the moment and stuff, but boy, I, you know, uh, to just absorb it without looking at a phone, you know, it's it's really something. So it's something I'm thinking, I think is, is missing, uh, in the way people observe a show. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, I usually try to, if I want to capture something, I try to look at it live, get my camera kind of angle, look at it live and not look through the phone. Cause I can do that later. <laughs> yeah. But, Nothing. You, but you don't realize your arm is getting tired and suddenly <laughs> yeah. you're videotaping the back of the person's head and the roll yeah. in front of you. <laughs> yeah. I'll do the, I'll, if I'm, especially if I'm close, I'll take a couple of pictures when they're near me. And then the rest of the time I try to be hands off. I'm absolutely with you. This, this is so, this has been so much fun, Ronnie. Anything else we need to cover here real quick uh, before we let you go? I think we hit, we hit on absence of presence. We hit on point of no return. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. If you can say this at all. Only the second Tuesday of every odd numbered month in a leap year. <laughs> Does that answer your question? I, I we are on Tuesday. Maybe, is, maybe, the maybe this helps me as, as, as not a true Kansas fan because I haven't overanalyzed. I love Kansas's music, but I've never put so much thought into into why "point of no return" is spelled like K N O W. Is there an answer to that, or is that up to audience interpretation? You know, I think that's just uh, something that bands like to do back in the day. You know, or yeah. even even today, how you know they kind of mix up words a little bit to make it interesting and uh mm-hmm. god i th- uh, was it uh phil and jeff jeff glicksman that came up with that or something it was just a just a play on words you know to to make so it interesting cool. add a little add a little different element i love it so, well before we before we let you go, I said I was going to ask this, and the fact that you're sitting there with a professional mic and you get your keyboard behind you, you don't want to do this. You don't want to put you on the spot. We'll edit this out. But can we get just a little bit of the chorus of Wayward Son? Oh, you're you're kidding. You're going to put me on the spot like that? <laughs> a little bit of the chorus of Wayward Son. I, you know what? You're, guys, when I sing... I don't sing softly. Okay. Well, that's a, that's great. Can you hear that? Yeah. Carry on my way. Son. That is, did, did your meters just like go off the charts there? I mean, we love I, it. Did, yeah. Did I, did I break your preamps? <laughs> no, I think no. we're good with that. 
We're good. That was awesome. Ronnie Platt, an honor. This was so much fun. Thank you so Same much. Same here, guys. It was. This is a Thank gas. It, it really is so, always so much fun to talk about my favorite subject, Kansas. And guys, uh, to your audience and everyone, please visit kansasband.com. Go under news. Check out where the band is going and our, you know, and all the shows we have booked. Unbelievable. This is Kansas's 50th year wow. of a band. Wow. 50. Wrap your mind around it, guys. 50 years, and there is no talk of stopping. That's, That's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, guys, right. thank you so much. It's been right. a gas. I can't believe I just did that. I screamed for you guys. <laughs> we love God. it. Well, that was great. You know, to know that uh, Phil's 72 and he beats the drums like he's a teenager again. It's just really, really cool and definitely inspirational. Cause and I find and I I find that with with drummers because like when when I'm watching you drum and you're quite a fantastic drummer and you have such scrawny little noodle arms. And then <laughs> not anymore. Well, he did. And then to watch you just start wailing away. I'm like, where did that come from? It's just it, yeah. drummers amaze me. They really do. And it was so much fun. And of course, you had to bring up K-pop. I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> well, you but, know, you bring up what seems like irrelevant things in interviews all the time. And then it gets yes. No, and say I'm, it. Say it. I know I do. No, say it. I'm aware. Thank you. <laughs> this year, the blooper reel is just going to be highlights of me going, I'm aware in our <laughs> intros and outros here. That's because he no. says it so much, and I had to have And I picked it, it up from my best friend. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, <laughs> but when, we, when he got on to, to talking about little accents, and, and, and we were talking about accenting music with tracking the cool thing was i saw men at work or quite a while ago at the time that you were seeing this but as we're recording this the show's still fresh in my head and the way they divvy up duties was really cool because their keyboardist who was also their saxophone player would play the synth because men at work has a lot of synth chords a lot of synth melodies and mm -hmm. that keyboard was a catch-all not a one thing was a was a track. It was all played live on the synth through this through whatever sound they needed to achieve. And I think Kansas does the same. Saw Gaga about a month ago. She did the same. It's all. It's all. In fact, Gaga, the guy has a circular keyboard that you say you've actually seen those before, but he's inside yeah, of a circular keyboard. Yeah, pretty neat. Uh, you know, a lot of it's theatrics too, but yep. you don't want the theatrics, you know, like like Ronnie was saying, you don't want the theatrics to mm -hmm. uh, top the music because you're there yeah. for the music. And, and he's talking about in-ears. The one thing I wonder about in-ears, because he's talking about it really isolating you, and I've always wondered this, because I see a lot of people who have in-ears, they're out, at least one of them's out by the fifth mm -hmm. song in. I have to know, does it really take you out of being with the crowd yeah i mean you you are isolated in there it's like self-isolating headphones like you're just stuck in this almost 
soundproof wall, it seems like. And I guess everyone's is different, of course. So if you want to hear something, it has to be on the mic or, you know, driven to that monitor. And that's why you hear a lot of times everybody has their own monitor mix. They, mm-hmm. oh, give me a little more of this or a little more of that. Whereas somebody else, give me less of this, less of that, because it's self-controlled. And, you know, sometimes you can do it yourself. You might, especially the drummers, you may see a little sound mixer up there and that might be them adjusting their own or perhaps whatever assistance they're running with tracks or whatever so yeah it, it can totally be isolating I, I know musicians who have told me they don't like them because it takes them away from the crowd but well, then you a, have wedges like he said on the ground that you step a little too far to left or right you don't quite get it plus you can get feedback more with those it's it's interesting because as we've seen with Huey Lewis and a few others, if you're not careful, your hearing can can all of a sudden just go downhill very yeah. very quickly. And I think in ears are an important uh, revelation for that. I remember, gosh, you had to bring K-pop into this. I have to bring Garth into this episode. <laughs> I remember Garth saying, the very first time he ever used in ears was the Las Vegas comeback tour. The Las Vegas arena shows at T-Mobile mm-hmm. was the very first time he wore in-ears because at that show for the run of four, four or five shows they did there, he wore the same shirt, stood in the same spots and had to wear in-ears because, uh, because they were recording. I don't yeah. know if they ended up, I don't know if they'll ever end up releasing those shows, but uh, he wore them for the recording and now he's wore them since, but I think he just wears one and then that ends up out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting because I don't remember hearing about that. And so many artists use the in-ears now. And yeah. a lot of times, yes, is it, it? they may have two, but usually one is out and it you, you can tell they're taking in the crowd. And sometimes that's just an easy way, way to talk to people too. So yeah. it's a very interesting uh, concept, you know, how you go from stage wedges or monitors or called to in-ears. Yeah. Well, to be continued, these wonderful conversations for the Music Universe podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Buddy. Thanks for listening and watching. Be sure to hit that like, subscribe and share button and follow us on social media at The Music Uni. And be sure to check out uh, themusicuniverse.com for the latest news and concert reviews. Take care.